Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have Dr. Jen Welter with me today. Uh, she is the first female uh, coach uh, for the NFL and she's in the Madden game and I just found out she said she's got some Minecraft worlds made after her and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, she uh, works with the Gridiron Girls and she just is an absolutely amazing person. She got, she's got books and she's on, uh, on uh, some chips you can see in the background there. Very cool. And uh, looking forward to a great conversation today. Uh, Dr. Jen, could you just uh, a welcome, first of all, and if you could tell people um, just a quick bit about you and where they can find you online. For sure. Um, first, I better um, introduce my co-host oh, yes. today or co-pilot of life. Um, this is Tyson. Um, Yes, named after Mike Tyson because he used to like to nibble on ears when he was a baby. It's a true thing. Um, but he steals the show. Um, and he's figured out, I mean, you know, dogs are very smart, right? He has figured out uh, Zoom calls and podcasts. He's like, oh, mom, you're going to be a stationary target? Cuddles. Um, <laughs> and so, okay, so back to your question. Uh, thank you for that, Tyson. Um, my website is jenwalter.com on social at jwelter47, welter47 on Instagram, Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook. Um, it's like a welterweight in boxing, right? Um, funny enough, like that means I've been pun punching above my weight class my entire life. Like, hi, ironic, I'm not even heavy enough for my own weight class. Um, but, it, you know, at least that way I'll remember how to spell it. Um, so, yes, um, great things. Um, I, I like to say I'm a big kid, you know, I like to solve human puzzles and, and that kind of is the common theme for all the things that I do. Um, most people know me as the first female coach in the NFL. Cause obviously that was a, a big barrier breaking moment. Um, and the reason, and the way that I got there was, you know, being one of the best in the game for women's football for a very long time, um, four championships, two gold medals, just an amazing career surrounded by what I would say are the best women in the world. Um, and then from there, I ended up entering the world of men's pro football in the most painful way possible. I actually played. Um, so I was the first female to play running back in men's pro football for the Texas revolution, um, was with the team for an entire season. Then from there was recruited to coach that same team um, and then from coaching the revolution, ended up joining the Cardinals. And on, you know, kind of the broader perspective, since I, um, since my time with the Cardinals, I really realized the importance of kind of, you know, changing the perception of what a football player was, what a coach was, and creating opportunities for inclusion for girls. Um, that was the impetus behind Gridiron Girls where we say, you know, this is confidence through football and teaching the girls there's no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. Um, and so a lot of the projects that you see kind of along the way, whether it's Minecraft worlds that are about Coach Jen, well, if girls play football in a game, right, and they see other girls in it, then they'll be much more likely to say, oh, well, I could play this, you know, um, whether it's in street ball or, um, in class or even on a team, 
as well. So that's kind of like my secret sauce is looking at all, all of those places where we can change the narrative um, and, you know, and, and what opportunities might lie there. Wow. So, so I, I know it's, it's definitely a male dominated industry. And, um, but my question is, how do you take all those hits? I don't think grown, you know, big, strong, grown men hardly can take those hits uh, that you see in the football games. Um, you know, I will, I will answer the way I did um, when Michael Strahan asked me that question. Cause yeah. you know, he, uh, when I launched my book, play big, he, insisted on interviewing me on GMA. Um, Mike's a great dude. And he was one of the first ones to be like, I would have loved to play for her. She coached a lot of football, which I was like, I, I didn't even hear it, but my friends were like, Oh my gosh, Michael Strahan likes you. I'm like, really? I love Michael Strahan. Right. Like, <laughs> it was this moment. Um, but when he asked me that, he was like, you know, you played. And he's like, and you were running back and you know, I'm a defender. So all I can keep thinking of is like, as I'm interviewing you, that would have been like me hitting you. And how did you do that? And I said, I bounce well, I don't know. Right. Because, you know, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet um, I did it. And I'm glad that I did because, you know, it really opened the door on the conversation that women were playing football. They belonged in football. And also it taught me a whole lot about um, playing with those guys um, and if I hadn't had that experience, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to coach because it was a direct result out of that. But I also am not sure that I would have um, been as good at it because I wouldn't have known how to really be one of the guys. You know, yeah. um, it was the best experiential learning I could ever have. And earning their respect there was really what um, gave me the street cred, if you will. Um, when I was moving into coaching, because they're like, oh, she played, we saw it, right? Like, um, and that, you know, that, that becomes a part of the journey, right? Nice. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I just, it's, it's just so impressive what you've been able to do and all the, you know, they say the glass uh, ceilings and whatever that you've been able to shatter and, and, and pave the way for, uh, you know, lots of girls and, and a great role model for, you know, um, for lots of kids. So that's, uh, it's, it's very cool. And that's something that's important to me. You know, I didn't have somebody that I could look at and say, I want to do what she did, right? Or I want to be her. So I am very intentional about creating opportunities where I can show girls something different. Because, you know, I didn't imagine it was possible for me to coach in the NFL, even though I was, you know, among the best players in the world, right? It just wasn't something I had seen. So I didn't imagine it was a possibility. And so um, to be able to give that permission to think and dream about something bigger, I think is really important. Yeah. And so as you kind of went through your career, who was who it, who are your kind of your role models, um, you know, that you looked up to? You know, the role models question is a tough one because I didn't have someone in football that in football, I could Right. So that was a hard part because there's not like a North star or there wasn't at that time. Right. Um, but I would say that I pulled strength um, or guidance from different people, different moments, different interactions. Mm. Right. Um, like Nancy Lieberman was somebody I looked at as a pioneer in basketball and thought, 
you know, I remember thinking to myself, if I could have even close to the impact on football that Nancy has had on basketball, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, how, how the world works, Nancy is now one of my dear friends and we laugh about some of the similar experiences that we've had, even though they were different games. Um, And so it's somebody who I can kind of say, have you ever dealt with something like this? And like, what do you do? Right. Um, And so that's been nice. I've always pulled strength from the women I played football for because, or with, because it was like in positions where I might be the first or the one person doing it. um, I wasn't doing it alone. Um, I, I just happened to be the one representing these great women and um, knowing that my job was to continue to open the door so that, you know, other women would have opportunities, right. Be a, be a great lead blocker, right. Like take a, be a, be a football lead blocker and um, you know, have other people have opportunities to run with and run through. Um, And then also, you know, I had a lot of big brothers, um, meaning not like the life big brothers. I actually only have one sister, but I had a lot of football big brothers who would say, Hey, come do this or coach at this clinic, or you need to meet this person, or, you know, just kind of guiding me on different things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And so, um, and, and I think that's important for, for people because it's so hard, right? We think of like a mentor or that one person with sage wisdom that can kind of guide us through. And it's almost like we feel cheated sometimes if we haven't had that person. Mm. And yet, if you think of it as, as you need lessons and guidance along the way, um, then you can kind of craft what that person might've told you. If you can find them, use them, um, like take their advice, take their wisdom, everything that they are willing to build into you and honor their legacy by carrying it forward. Um, But if you can't, don't feel like you're limited. Um, Just find people who will, will help you and guide you along the way. So it's kind of like you maybe kind of built your own avatar of people. Like you kind of took the best of like multiple mentors and kind of uh, compiled that into where you wanted to go for your direction. Is that kind of sound? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, I still do. I think that's one of the, it's something that people um, admire about me, but it's also one of the things that's the hardest for me is the things that I've done, I really have done on my own, right? It's not, there's not a, a big, you know, machine of people around creating this stuff or, you know, it's coming from my brain and then people who believe in, believe in me, um, kind of digging in and, and helping. Right. Um, and, and I wish sometimes that I had that, right. Like I look at the guys who maybe played, you know, or have that, and they have this like team around them. And like, it's like, okay, here's where you go. Oh, you want to do books? Here's where you go for books. You want to do this? Here's where you go for this. Um, you know, we have an endorsement team and which charities would you like to align yourself with? And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I probably could have taken over the world if somebody would have just helped me with that stuff. <laughs> um, and so you know, it's a blessing and a curse. You learn a lot. Um, but the journey is, is longer, right? The runway is longer, um, to get to that point where you kind of have a lot of, 
um, the synergy where things seem to align and start to open up. Okay. And as you kind of went through, um, you know, you're playing, coaching, all this stuff, when did it kind of, <clears throat> when did it kind of uh, occur that you needed to start branding yourself or when did you realize that you had to develop a personal brand through this process? Um, early, early, early. Um, you know, I was, when I was playing, I think it probably really fortified itself when I was playing for the Dallas Diamonds, which yeah. was my team for 10 years. Okay. I mean, I had a marketing degree um, from Boston College undergrad. So I, I at one point thought I would be like the advertising whiz. Um, if, if I would have gotten my truthers on a, on a real job, that's probably where it would have been, um, would be in advertising, branding, and marketing. Um, and in my second year um, in women's football, I was actually running marketing for the mass mutiny um, oh. because I was that person. And I had us, you know, I was getting us on radio shows and I was creating the t-shirts and literally selling the t-shirts to the point that we would break even and then using the rest as giveaways right, to help promote the team and the brand. So there was always part of that there and knowing that people just didn't understand that women played football, that they could, and this belief that if they knew us, they would love us, right? But they needed to know us. Right. And when I went to the Diamonds, um, which was, you know, I played for them in my fourth season. I played for a team called the Dallas Dragons. I call it like the forgotten year in between that because – you know, it was pretty, pretty rough going. But when I went to the Diamonds, you know, I had all these things that I knew had been successful in Massachusetts when I was running it, like, you know, simple things like our t-shirts that said, I tackle, right? Like not only would my team buy them, but we did them in neutral colors, right? So it wasn't just a one team unified thing. The other teams loved them because they didn't have anything like it, right? And, you know, I took these slogans and kind of this edgy way that I'd gotten people interested in women playing football. And I remember being like, here, hopefully this helps. And they were like, yeah, we've got it. And I was kind of like, you don't like want free good info, like things that had worked. And they, you know, they really had their idea and that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I realized too, is that we needed to be in the community more and we weren't really. Um, And I was getting asked to speak in schools um, because of what I did as a fitness, as a fitness person. And then people would bring their kids mm. and, um, my business cards were like a football player on them. Right. And then on the back, um, there was like very conscious. My business cards were like an evolution of self for a while, mm. right? Like on one side, it would be a full padded tackle football, great form tackle. Right. So people could see what the game looked like. Mm. And on that side, it would have like the season schedule, right? So people could come find us. And then on the other side, it would have like the, the athlete profile picture, right? Like helmet off so they could see, you know, an actual face, an actual person and relate, take any of their preconceived notions of what a female playing football looked like out of the equation. And then my personal information. And I would update those cards with different playing pictures and different personal pictures, but it was always that. So if you knew a, a person who was a quote unquote football player in Dallas at that time, it was me. Yes, I was a good player, 
but I was the best marketed because it was a part of everything I did. Mm. And it wasn't a position where we were full-time football players, right? So that was a choice. We all had to work by day and play football by night, but I identified as a football player. And so that bit of everything that I did, right? And whether I was teaching a fitness class, they knew I was playing football or any of that. So very early, um, I was intentional about creating that brand of being a football player and um, being a role model in communities. Wow. Yeah, that, it's just amazing how you've overcome that and, and you were able to take your, uh, you know, your brand and get it out there. Um, so what was it like getting your first like endorsement deal? Or was it, did you pursue that or did that come to you or how did, how did that work out? Um, you know, the first real, um, endorsement deal I got was Adidas. Um, and you know, the way it happened is really funny. Um, I was, um, I came up with a concept called camp on the corner and it was teaching kids how to turn a corner in their life through sports. So it wasn't just a straight football camp. It was kind of like a life camp. And each drill was based on a psychological principle like um, resilience, right? Like we hit the ground, we get back up and we keep going. And it was essentially sold to Adidas and they fell in love with the idea through their, um, through their um, social impact department. Okay. And they were, they said, well, we would love to do this and we want our employees to come and help so that they can see our community efforts. So it became like a, um, you know, like something that they could win. So the big wigs were there and then a bunch of the employees and they worked side by side with like former NFL players who were friends of mine to help run these drills. And we did in Houston after the hurricane, um, we did two camps at a title one school that impacted 900 kids in two days. Adidas gave them all sneakers and t-shirts. And then this day I was like in tears. I couldn't even believe that Adidas pledged like to come in and make such a difference. Wow. Um, because I had bought every pair of sneakers I had in my whole career, right? Like women in football, we weren't getting, you know, free sneakers and all of this swag that the guys get. Right. So to be able to give this to all these kids, like I, I didn't even like, I literally sat in their offices and like cried. Oh. But what happened in the process is like, I impressed the, the decision makers, right? Like they, they liked me. It wasn't like they were like, Oh, first female coach. Like we're going to, we're going to sign her. It was like, man, this person is doing some great things in the community. And then I started talking to them about um, girls and women in football. Mm. And I had just at that time started the Gridiron Girls Camps. And um, one of their um, women on their team, um, Kat, she fell in love with this idea because she was the lone female in football design at that time. Okay. And, I, and, and she kind of you know, felt a little out of place at times. And I was like, listen, I mean, I can't do anything about that, but you have a home with us. Like whether it's you want to come and volunteer or do anything with us, like you belong in football, right? Like, so don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. And she kind of took it on as her personal, like 
mission to start seeing how Adidas could do more. Because what was hard is that there was no BU for women or girls in football, Mm. right? Like that didn't exist. So it wasn't like a turnkey, you know, we have, we have women in basketball, we have men in basketball, let's sign this person, right? That, that didn't exist. So she started kind of putting the pieces together and, you know, different people got involved in the project and fell in love. And they first kind of sent me t-shirts and like, you know, helped in ways that they could. Mm. And then in, um, it was at Super Bowl in Atlanta, they announced a multi-year partnership with me um, as their first ever female football asset. And then they would also sponsor some of the Gridiron Girls camps throughout the year. And it was not only a big moment for me, but it was a big moment for women in football because you're like, oh my gosh, this is possible. And we're, and we're starting to you know, make a difference and we're starting to be present. And, you know, I was also able to, and one of the things that I was really proud of is, you know, in all my camps, I have female and male coaches, right? Um, So the girls get to learn from the best women and men in the game, but to give, um, to help create a platform for the women who were playing football so the girls could see them and aspire to be them and um, ended up, introducing the WNFC, which is a good friend of mine, um, founded the league to Adidas as well. And then Adidas became their brand partner because my stance was I can't have my coaches, you know, rocking Nike in their games and then coming and wanting to wear their jerseys here with Adidas branded camps. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me to get an endorsement was huge, but to also be able to, you know, start to create, a conversation and a platform around women and girls in football, not just about me being there was like, I, I, I really couldn't believe um, how cool it, it was, right? Like, and how amazing to be able to like, you know, deck out my, my coaches in Adidas gear when they were coming to do these camps and do things that we had never had, right? Like we didn't have that when I played. Yeah. So tell us um, a little bit more about the the potato chips back there and where people can pick up a, a bag or two or ten. Yeah, so this is fun. Obviously, it fits right into what I say. Like, um, if you see things differently, or you'll aspire to them, right? Um, I've lovingly said I wanted to change the face of football for a while, and I guess this is what the face could look like. <laughs> um, there's actually three different bags. Um, I have them around somewhere. Um, which are a part of the Smile with Lays campaign. Um, and this one is hilarious, right? The name. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be a dill pickle, be a flaming hot one. <laughs> um, but these bags are a part of the Smile with Lays campaign. They are available, mine are available exclusively in 7-Elevens. And it's a, it's a fundraising slash charity effort to benefit Operation Smile, which helps um, correct smiles, like with cleft lips for kids. So giving smiles to people. And they actually have smilers all over the country who are people that find ways in their communities to give smiles to other people. And so you'll see at the back of the bags, like on my bags, it tells like some of my story and like what we do with Gridiron Girls 
Um, but there are just some really amazing people that are also a part of it. Um, and for me, one of the parts that was really cool is the only football themed bags um, are mine. And so if you see a football themed Lay's bag this season, it has a female on it, which means, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just the boys club anymore. You know, <laughs> you can throw on the headset or the whistle or the eye black and, um, and rock those things as well. So, um, you know, and, and I know you talk a lot about branding. And so to me, that's right on brand, right? Um, positive impact in the community, bringing smiles to other people and showing football in a different light. Hey everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over $100,000 in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on Five Steps to Profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. Awesome. So um, if somebody's kind of, um, you know, say maybe a... a, a <laughs> Upcoming. Like, uh, you got that sneeze. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a big one. Yeah. Um, hey, Tyson. Um, so if there's a, a, a gal, you know, that's, you know, and it doesn't really matter the industry, but maybe it's a young athlete or something that, that is kind of aspires to follow in your footsteps. Um, what are a couple, you know, maybe two, three things that, um, that really made the difference in, you know, branding yourself and moving yourself, you know, kind of on the marketing side to uh, where you are today? You know, I think, it, first of all, it's consistency, um, you know, and, and really clarity um, and, and not being afraid to take a stance about who you are and what you do and don't do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think for me, I, I say there's decisions that are, there's an easy yes or a hard no, right? An easy yes is something like this. Like, yes, I love it. What do we have to do? Like, I'm so pumped. I'm a big kid at heart. Like, it works. It's just details, right? Like I, I'm in love with it. I'm going to be behind it. I'm going to support it naturally um, because it's fun and it's, it's not in conflict with anything about me. That's an easy yes. We just have to come to details. Yeah. A hard no is no, right? Like I don't know what you think you're going to offer. I don't know why you think I would say yes, but I already said no. And it's not changing. It's not a matter of how many dollars are there. It just doesn't work for me, right? It's not aligned with me, right? And the example I give people in, you know, I've had some crazy offers. I'm actually known for being elusive, apparently, because I say no to a lot of things. Hmm. Um, and I think when you say no to things, it, it becomes really clear what things you will align with and won't. Yeah. Um, it might make you less... Um, commercial or less known, right? Like you, you don't see me everywhere. Not everybody knows who I am and that's okay. Um, because a lot of the places where I think I would have gone most wrong are things I, I said no to. And maybe I was right about some of them and, and I'm sure I was wrong about some of them. Yeah. But like an example of a hard no to me was when I got a call from, you know, this reality show and they just loved me. I'd be amazing and they go on on all this pitch and I'm like well what is it and they're like it's called naked and afraid and I was like oh no I am afraid I do not want to be naked on national television <laughs> right like I don't do woods I don't I, I I'm not a survivalist right but really 
like to the core of everything that I am, right? I work with kids and this was before the NFL, mm. right? So think about your career and your opportunities as a sum total of the things you do and do not do, not do mm. right? Like imagine if I would have said yes to this, I certainly never would have been in the NFL because any one of my players could have said, seen way too much of coach, right? Like, you know, so you have to think of those things as not just an opportunity for exposure because there is bad exposure, right? And there are things that I might not have done if I'd have known what was going to be done on the other end or, you know, certain things that like from a depth of how it was presented wasn't presented all the way, but really do your due diligence and decide who it is that you're, you are in the world, right? And then look for things that enhance that and make that message more clear, not less. And, and, you know, for me, I, not everybody wants to have opinions on things. They think, you know, being that is not good, but for me, it's important, right? Like I think that voice is important. I want um, women to feel confident and capable in their voice. Now that means because I use my voice, not everybody will like the sound of my voice, right? <laughs> it's true, right? When you take a stance, no matter what that stance is, right? People are going to not agree with you because of it. Mm-hmm. So when you do it, be clear in why you're doing it and make sure it's also aligned with who you are and what you want to be in the world. Because one of the things that I hear often from people, um, even if I recently did a project with them is, oh, we've been watching you for a while, Mm -hmm. right? Most things don't just happen. um, And it's not like you're a, you know, an overnight success, though there are those I'm not right. I'm over 20 years in the grind of football, but one thing I've heard over and over is we've been watching you for a while and it's great to see your consistency, your consistency on who you are, how you do it, right? The packaging might get better. The videos might get, you know, better produced. Um, the, the camera people might get better, but the core of who you are and what you do and the messaging that you are, that will help, um, you know, whether it's a brand or something else, be confident and they know what they're getting because they can look back at your track record. And the truth is your track record is for a lot of people now, it's your social footprint. Um, You know, you, the things that you put out there, everybody can look at. That means everybody can look at them and don't believe that it's Um, it's going to go away, right? Like, don't believe that it's temporary because we've seen that blow up in very big ways on people. Mm -hmm. Like, just know what's public or private could come to the light. And that is a part of who you are. And yes, it will mean that some things you don't get to do that other people do. Um, You have to be disciplined to make those decisions because that's how, you know, from a longer term perspective, you can continue to be a voice. You can continue to be respected. You can continue to be, to be kind of a, a force of nature, mm-hmm. right? Not just somebody who is temporary and is, you know, only as popular on Instagram as, 
you know, her, her bikini pics look, right? Like, because those things are temporary and, you know, um, and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that, right? Like in terms of what you look like in a bikini, but please be more than that because otherwise, you know, looks fade, right? Trends come and go. But if you're consistent in your decision-making and, you know, you really actually take stands, then the people who feel strongly about those things or extensions to those ideas will, you know, talk to you about it or consult or think of you as an extension, right? Like the stuff that I've done in, in the gaming space, for example, um, I took pushback um, from some people when I agreed to the coach gen Minecraft worlds, right? They said, well, we thought you were all about physical activity and getting girls them to play video games. Mm. And I said, I get it, but I don't think it's an either or that either you go outside and play football or get physical and, you know, or play esports. But here's the reason why I did it. There is a similarity and there is a power in the esports or virtual space that can move the needle in the real world space, right? We can create a place in a space where girls are included in football in the virtual world before we can in the actual world. And guess what? Every girl who plays that game can see herself in football. And then she will be more likely to try it in real life. And by the way, every boy who plays that game will see that it's not weird to have a girl out there, he'll be used to it. He'll also be used to the fact that um, a coach could be a male or a female. So when it happens in his life, he is already primed to be more accepting. And as soon as I had that conversation with them, and I said, by the way, 44% of gamers are girls and there are very few female protagonists in games. So I'm happy for them to be able to see that they could be the hero of their own story. They went, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Right. Because there was a clear thought process. Now, not everybody's going to get that or not everybody's going to say, Oh, you're right. And I agree with you. But when asked or when pressed, right. Know that, like, know why you're doing it. Not just, Hey, they cut a big fat check. Right. And if that is who you are, then great. Be a money person, but be clear that you're a money person. Anybody I deal with has to pay to play. And that's what I'm all about. If that's your brand, cool, but have no bones about it. And don't, you know, don't try to be something else. Be very clear um, and consistent because people are watching and they're watching before you know that you're, they're watching. And even if they weren't, they will go back and look. Mm-hmm. And that's whether you are pitching yourself to a college as an athlete, we coaches are looking. Um, I know I'm not known for college, but, um, I have consulted with college coaches and scouts and guess what? You, you know, that they're reaching out and they're hitting you up through like, you know, IG and Twitter. Do you think that they're not looking at your history? Cause they are. And there are certain things that if you say it or you post it, they're gone before you even hear from them. 
Likely they have scrubbed your social media before they do outreach because if they try and scrub it after and they like the kid, it's too late. So they may not even get to your film because of the, you know, the things that you have posted or said. So just realize that like, that's a big part of your resume. Wow. Oh, great stuff. Um, so I have three girls and, um, what are like, um, maybe a couple, uh, pitfalls that, um, as a girl might be unique to a girl that they have to kind of get through, you know, or overcome, I guess might be the better way to say that. Um, but have you had some, some things like that, um, that you've kind of had, like, where maybe like uh, people try to took advantage of you or, you know, or, or tried to, uh, you know, um, even I get, I've been scammed a few times and lost some money, not realizing it until it was too late, you know, type thing. So, but, uh, I assume that that's probably even more prevalent, um, you know, um, in, you know, being kind of new or the, the, the pace setter, if you will. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, people always love to use the, the phrase trailblazer. Um, and I, I laugh because I'm like, all trailblazer means is that you have taken a lot of branches to the face, right? <laughs> like you are the one who went there um, and took the hits and then somebody else gets to skippity do it out through the trail that you already cleared, right? Like you cut the branches down. So doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for them, but those same branches um, have been cleared, right? Like, so think of that visually. Mm. Um, you know, the, the first thing I would say about um, being conned in situations is, you know, con artists want to separate you from your strength. Mm. Um, you know, if, if somebody won't meet with one of your business partners or talk to, um, say you have an advisor in a certain area, if they're like, Oh no, what, you don't trust me. Like, you know, this is just you and me. We don't need to involve that other person. Um, run away. <laughs> right. Because a good business person wants the opportunity to bring in your business assets right? They will stand strong on what they have to offer. They'll be like, oh yeah, like I'm happy to talk to that person. Let's set up a meeting. The, the strong pull aside, whether it's in, um, you know, whether it's in relationships where they're like, oh, you know, I don't like that person. I'm trying to divide you, right? From a psychological manipulation standpoint, um, that is one of the biggest weapons that manipulators have. When you are divided from any support, you are easily conquered. Um, and so, you know, that would be the first piece of advice is like, if it seems too good to be true, um, if it's just a whisper and a nudge and somebody would guilt you into not allowing someone else to see what's going on, there's probably a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Um, they will also attack you personally and try and break you down. Um, because again, if you're, if, if you don't feel strong, um, it's less likely that you will stand up. Um, and, you know, I have had people do that. Um, you know, I, there were times when I used to receive a lot of death threats. Um, and, you know, um, and, and those things are just a reflection of somebody else's insecurity. Um, and yet it, it is something that, that anytime you're, you're um, presenting a, a viewpoint that is not necessarily one that the majority agrees with, there are going to be those people who fight to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. And 
if you're a person who disrupts the status quo, then you're a problem. Um, so, it, you know, the, the stronger your stances, um, just know that they're not always going to be popular, but you're not living your life for a popularity contest, right. right? Like even athletes, I mean, and I use this example a lot, right? Like some of the best of the best, you know, you quarterback of this team, he comes on, right? Like let's use Tom Brady because people either love him or hate him. So let's say Tom Brady. Tom Brady is now in a Patriot or um, a Buccaneers uniform. He comes out on the field and the team he's playing against likely, right? Means that half the people in that stadium hate him, mm. right? Now they may respect him, but they hate him because he's for the other team, right? So let's just say he's working with half of the people in that stadium, either, you know, half loving him and half hating him when he walks on the field. Mm-hmm. Right. Very few people are neutral. Like, eh, you know, oh, uh, no, we love playing against him. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you're afraid you're going to lose. Right. You don't want to play against him. So even if you don't hate him, you don't like him on the other team. Let's be a, even a little softer about that. <laughs> so you're 50 50 to start now to maintain 50 50. Right. Meaning keep all of your fan base. You have to play a great game. <laughs> Right? Because your team will be, oh man, you know, Buccaneers were crazy. Tom Brady's over the hill. Like we should have never picked him up. Blah, 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 blah. The second he does one thing wrong. Yep. Right. So if your best is half, okay, <laughs> as one of the no argument best athletes in the game, whether you think that was the right choice or the wrong one, I mean, the dude has rings, he has the resume. He's already starting with half. And then the second he does something less than perfect, he is definitely less than half. So for, um, for any of us, right, stepping out, and, and women in particular, because we take a lot of things personally, right? Like, you know, if somebody disagrees with us, um, a lot of the times we reflect on it personally as opposed to just they don't like my business acumen, right? right. Like they don't, they don't like the fact that the cover was yellow. Why don't they like me? Because it's yellow. No, they don't like yellow, right? Like, or they don't like that our ants are purple. Well, why don't you like me? Because, no, they don't like the purple, right? And so for a lot of the times for women, it's very hard to separate the personal and the professional aspects of that and not get emotionally vested. And that becomes even more um, personal, right? When it's literally your face on a bag of chips, right? Like, how do you say that, that it's not something against me right. when they don't like this because I'm involved, right? And so for me, that's been something that's really psychologically challenging um, to not only be the person who's like trying to sell that or be that, but then also has to smile and show up on the bags knowing that you were like, well, we wanted her, but we couldn't afford her. You're a second pick. And you're like, Maybe that's where that face comes like, oh, thanks. I'm going to be your second pick, right? Like, you know, it, and, and the business part and personal become very, you know, interconnected at that time, right? And that's why agents can be so powerful. An agent can go into a room and say, no, I'm not going to take that for this person. You're wrong. They're worth X, Y, and Z, right? And then come back and they say to you, oh my gosh, they just love you. Right. Like they wouldn't have gone with anybody else. And so there doesn't have to be um, kind of that 
whole business backblood of having to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And I know that's been hard for me because I have had to be all things to all people, um, not be able to just show up and be the hero, right? Like if I'm doing a camp, I sold the camp. I got the coaches. I'm doing this. Um, I'm the first one in and the last one out still have to be on the field and then do all of the other stuff afterwards. So, um, you know, dividing some of that so that you can be great where you're great um, is an asset. But a lot of the times that's hard for women and it's really hard for entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, yeah. right? We do have to be all things to all people. Yeah. So um, fortify yourself um, to understand that you're not just there to be liked, right? Like there are people who are not going to like you just because you walked out on the field. And it was their field, right? Like there are people who do not like me because they did not want to see women in football Mm -hmm. and they do not like me because I was the one whose face was on everything, right? Like, and it didn't matter if I did a good job or a bad job. Um, I have literally had people tell me mine was the face that gave them nightmares because every time that story came up and now, you know, there are other women who they see right? But every time that conversation came up, when there was a sample size of one, it was my face that, you know, was put into it. So the people who did not think that women should be in football or in coaching, mine was the face that they could see associated with that change, which means it's, it's nothing that I did except loving football and being a woman. It's not even like I got to, um, you know, make a coaching decision that they hated, right? Or, you know, do something that was controversial within being a coach. They just didn't like the fact that a woman was coaching and I happened to be that woman. So, you know, there are a lot of elements that are hard to that. And we have to look at it and really do our best to, um, you know, understand where, where things are personally tough. Um, and also what parts are, are, are professional and then, you know, in what place and what space are you also a commodity, right? If somebody doesn't, now if somebody opens this bag and they don't like, um, the hot sauce chip, they're not disliking it because it has my face on it. Right. So then I have to be able to separate that part as well. And so really being intentional about how we think about the different segments of business um, is important. And women, it is hard because you are judged on different things. Um, And there are different criticisms, especially regarding appearance that come. A big one was, you know, like I was on the sidelines of, I think it was the Cardinals Raiders game. And um, I don't know if it was a picture or how it came up, but it came up in the media somehow. And I did my best to try and be disconnected from a lot of those narratives because I knew they weren't going to help me. But one of the things, oh, I think it was a commentator said, like, she looks so serious. She should smile more. I'm coaching a football game and I think we just did something particularly bad. But what should I be like? Yeah, exactly. You would not say that about a male coach. No. Like, those are some of the most serious-looking, stern dudes that you have ever met. 
right? You're lucky if you catch him smiling, right? And yet the commentary was like, she looks so serious. She should smile more. Uh, So there are levels that, you know, uh, people will interact with women in certain spaces in ways because of their own notions of what a woman should be, how she should look, how she should act that are going to be different than men. And at the same time, men have some of the same, some different criticisms that they get because, oh, well, you're not a manly enough man or, or this, that, and the other. So those are, those are all really realities. Anytime people can watch, especially anonymously, um, they really don't have a lot to lose. So. Well, probably the most important question so Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, they got a chance, you think? <laughs> no, the, the I'm from Vikings, Minnesota, obviously. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, I, I think it's a, a rebuilding year for the Vikings in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you still have Delvin Cook, right? Like, yeah, he's been, yeah. he's been he's, cooking with fire. Like, I, I, um, I have met him. He's great. Actually, adore him. His energy is freaking off the chain. Like, you want this guy on your team yes. for what he can do um, on the field, but also for the leader that he is. I'm also a believer in Kirk Cousins, um, but I do know that they they had a shakeup um, to an extent in the Vikings. So this may not be um, their big, big year, um, but it may be that they're, they're on a next year. I don't know, though, because it, like – The truth is it's hard to predict any team this year um, because the injuries are off the charts and and that can lead directly to the fact that the guys didn't have a preseason, um, you know, and football shape is different than physical shape. Like I'm in good physical shape right now. I'm not in football shape, right? Like I haven't had to tackle anybody in a while. So um, the injuries are going to be one of the biggest factors. And obviously that is exponentially impacted by COVID because those aren't even predictable injuries, right? Right. Like that could be a handshake, a high five, or, you know, bad breath in your face, right? Like, so there are going to be um, increased incidences of player loss, both through injury and through COVID because of COVID being COVID and the, you know, implications that COVID had on where teams are. Um, I also heard that they're going to be limiting um, free agent workouts to like five a week, Mm -hmm. um, which is a low number. Um, It's obviously for incidences of people who could potentially bring in a contagion, but um, this season is really going to boil down to roster depth and the ability to stay healthy and on the field, right? Like we've already seen, I think the best example is the 49ers, right? Like I, I would have thought based on last year and who they had coming back, that they would be one of the most dominant teams. And yet injuries have just absolutely ripped them apart. Um, Also look at, Freaking the Patriots Kansas City game last year. I that was the game I was looking forward to the most. I'm not gonna lie because I have said it. Um, I love Cam Newton. I'm a big fan. Um, he has been uh, really supportive of me ever since we first met. He is 
one of the most insanely competitive people I have ever met. I think the league underestimated him in this offseason. And I, I, and I think it speaks to the brilliance of Belichick picking him up. And I was like, this is, the, this is that hot remix that we all love, right? Like this is, you took that old classic that we all knew and threw a hot new beat on it. And everybody's like, what? Right? <laughs> Putting him with Josh McDaniels. He got to take the break, the Brady breaks off the playbook with Cam's mobility. Like, I'm like, this is fire. And then he gets COVID, mm-hmm. right? It's not even an injury that is like, you know, a part of the game that we have had to come to accept, yeah. right? Like this is one that could have been no fault of his or anybody else's, right? And in that, because of that, um, we saw a matchup that was not not the matchup we wanted to see, yeah. right? Like I was impressed with Belichick, obviously, for holding them the way he did, almost three quarters, just shy of three quarters with no touchdowns. I mean, that speaks to the brilliance of the Patriots defense. And yet you know it's a different game with Cam Newton in there. And yet we won't get to see it. Mm-hmm. So teams that are um, teams that are great now may not end up that way. And it's going to be the craziest, hardest predict, possibly shortened NFL season that we have ever seen. Yeah. So that means anybody can win, um, really, that they can, like depending on how they, they come back from certain things. Awesome. So before we go, can you tell us a little bit about the, the new children's books and uh, kind of the series real quick, and then I'll um, let you get going here. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I've been trying to um, be a be a good human um, and stay inside um, and, you know, not spread COVID. Oops. Oh, shoot. Oh, I, oh, I still hear you. Hold on. Okay, there we go. Sorry, a pop up came up and I went to click it and, you know, <laughs> COVID. You're still uh, here, so we're good. Right, still here. So um, a friend of mine, Brooke Foley, um, and I created a kids book series um, called Critter Fitter, um, founded in the tenets of play and drawing therapy. It really is simply using critters to get kids fitter through motion and emotion. Um, like, let's help work through these things that we're all going through. Um, and for me, that was also a sanity trick. So for all of you right now who the world has gotten reshuffled and it's hard, um, we can focus on what's in our control, right? And I have friends who were doing big, big world things. And none of those were things that I was good at. But I am good at voice and breaking things down um, and making them approachable. So we kind of decided that the way we could help the world was to create a a series that was dealing with some of these COVID-related things. Um, The first one that came up was the fact that kids were bouncing off walls, right? Being stuck inside um, was tough on the kids and the parents. And so Critter Fitter with Busy Bee and Adventure and Movement um, uses all animal-inspired exercises to give giggles and wiggles, as I like to say. (laughs) So like, we laugh as we play, but do it in a fun, like fundamentally um, well put together workout. So it ends up being about 20 minutes that parents and kids can do together. And it literally is like animals that bring you through it. 
Um, so like in our first book, these are like, oops, I always go backwards. Um, <laughs> you will inchworm some stuff. Owl will, you know, you will ruffle your feathers and you will bunny hop together, right? Um, the next book was actually inspired by this little guy. See those, those beautiful big bug eyes he has? Um, and him and I being stuck inside, um, he's gotten lots of hugs. And now you see that look on his face where he's like, mom, enough, right? <laughs> that one. Um, I mean, he's been hugged a lot. And um, so I wrote the next book, book When a Ladybug Can't Hug, um, inspired by this little bug who then become a ladybug, um, all about social distancing and how hard it is to not be able to hug our friends, sure. but how we could connect through the heart while still staying six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so ladybug is kind of our emotion bug. Busy is our, is our motion bug. Ladybug is emotion. Third book, wearing a mask says, I love you. Um, the mask needed a hero story. For kids, typically it would be a villain who wore a mask. So we wanted to give the mask a hero story, um, break down some of the complex topics around COVID, give kids an opportunity to be a proactive, positive part of the solution by joining the Ant Army, which is led by Sergeant, and actually becomes the infantry um, to fight the virus that you can see by following all of the CDC guidelines, like wearing a mask, social distancing, washing our hands, wings, and other bug, bug things. Um, and then the fourth book, it builds on our ant-based adventures, the resilience. You see Sergeant is back, um, and so is Ladybug, and they tackle topics like poor ant teen and antibodies, um, and Brilliant is our scientist who discovers how to defeat the virus's invisibility because it's hard to fight what you cannot see. Distant helps remind us to keep six feet in between. Merchant can shop and give you anything and everything with speed. Um, and then the Ant Army comes out of quarantine with antibodies and knowledge. So they will have every advantage for back to school, back to work, and back to play. So it goes through some of those things like track and trace and the different um, adult things that we're talking about to make them um, understandable and approachable for kids. So again, they feel empowered to see how we could get back to um, back to kind of life and how to be resilient. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, fantastic. Well, I will, um, I just want to thank you for being a guest today. It's been a great honor and I just love what you're doing with the, the books and the, the personal branding. Um, it's, uh, it's a great example for a, a lot of both men and female. It doesn't really matter. It's, um, it's, you know, it's a universal thing, but, uh, but the way you've uh, plowed through and, uh, and took, took a hold of the gridiron girls and all that stuff is pretty amazing. Um, could you once again tell them where to find you and, uh, and where to get your books and all that stuff? Yeah, for sure. So um, for speed to be able to get the books um, out and available to people, we self-publish them on Amazon. So you can get all of them right on Amazon. They can drop ship it to you in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my website is jenwelter.com. If you want more about Critter Fitter, it's getcritterfitter.com. Um, I am at Welter47 on Instagram, at jwelter47 on Twitter. 
Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook. Um, I think that's the main ones. Um, and you know, if, if ever you forget those, it's really easy to find me. I'm highly Googleable. Um, just remember it's welter, like a welterweight in boxing, um, you know, punching above my weight class my whole life. Awesome. Well, thank you again uh, for being a wonderful guest and everybody out there, make sure you, uh, uh, get that revenue up and rev it up, and, uh, and we'll talk to you on the next show. Thank you so much.